Welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissident thought meets melodic euthonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, broadcasting to you as always from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host, calling in all the way from Charm City, Maryland. Guess who it is? Yeah. My pal Odell. One time I'm going to get somebody else in here just to shake it up, <laughs> and but not tell anybody. And be like, my pal, um, Chris Person. And they'd be like, whoa. Actually, that would, Chris Person's in jail for a very long, long time now. So I don't think that's going to happen. Oh, uh, yeah, that's not going to happen for a bit. Yeah. But that would uh, be well. great if I could hook that up somehow. That would be the surprise of a century, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right. Let's, let, we're going to move on real quick and get Dee in here because she is in the next room pushing all the important sanitized buttons in her hermetically sealed bubble. It is, do I even need to introduce her? The, what was the word I came up with last time? Mavilous? The Mavilous Dee. That's me. TM. Can I trademark that verbally? Yes, L-L-T-M. Mavilous. Mavilous. You're going to have to figure out how that's supposed to be spelled and then we can do that. I don't know how to spell real words. How the fuck am well, I going to spell a made-up word? But that's the whole point. If you made up the word, you have to spell it. Can I put a Q and a 7 in there? Uh, sure, I guess. The, the sign formerly known as Prince? That's <laughs> part of the spelling? Because then I'm in. I'm all in if you say I can do that. <laughs> yeah, we'll spell it with that. Uh, yeah, we got a bunch of really big shows coming up. Um, remember, video to musicalosmosis.com or look us up on the Googles. And you will find us. We've got an amazing Halloween show this year that's so amazing. Apparently, it spilled over to a Halloween bonus episode with Shaky Sue of Hell Freaks. And then on our Halloween episode this year, we've got Kelly Mayo from Skating Polly, Lyle Blackburn from Ghoul Town, Bonnie Bloomgarden of Death Valley Girls, and our buddy Mormozine will be with us as well. All returning um, guests, except for Shaky Sue. Yes, and then we also have a really cool other show scheduled uh, for the month of Halloween. It's scarily awesome because we have, of DRI, Mr. Kurt Brecht coming on. Bre- oh, Brecht. boy, do I have some um, stories to talk to him about. The last time I saw yeah. DRI was at Hoopla's in Norfolk, and... Um, their guitarist, somebody had like thrown a boot up there or something at him. He was wearing a Gene Simmons mask and he just like dove off the stage, fist cocked and like landed on some, that dude's head. Like it was a crazy and it, it was over book cause it got moved from the Norva for some reason. And they moved it to mm-hmm. a smaller venue. Wow. That's Were you wild. at that show, Odell? Yeah. Yes, I was you were at that show. Oh, I don't know. I went with you. I met, met up with you guys down there. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we jump on the air, D, 
What yeah. do you think about? I wanted to mention this on air, and then I maybe we could do updates on this. It's crazy, but we're going to get a micro pig, I think. Maybe. Maybe if we, if we can house it and take care of it properly. Yeah, but that's another thing to potty train, and I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you've been dying to get a little friend for the dog. Yes, right. I because I I find that cats are incredibly easy to take care of because yeah. they go away when they don't want your attention. Um, dogs are relatively easy, and I love dogs. I have enough things in my life that go away when it doesn't want my attention. Well, yeah. Um, I love dogs, but <laughs> we already have the dog, and he's Chihuahua, so he hates everyone and everything. Um, and, yeah, we've been going over and over just different interesting pets to have. Ferrets are great, but they poop behind the refrigerator. Um, <laughs> I have the best reasons. <laughs> Yeah, we have yeah. we have a uh, we have a dog, a cat, and a bunny rabbit. So yeah, we thought about a bunny, but she's allergic. So the yeah, uh, daughter's yeah. allergic, yeah. and we're getting it for her. It's um kind of a celebration type thing. So yeah. Yeah, that's another it. reason we're getting another pet because my daughter is an extreme animal lover. Yeah. There you go. And so we can't afford a giraffe, so that's out of if the only. Yeah, that's her favorite <laughs> pet, but. We've done chickens here, but I don't think we could do it. Pull a giraffe off. Could you imagine what the neighbors would say? I can't. <laughs> Good God. I hear on they wonder uh, what kind of Elton mountain John giraffe just moved in. A <laughs> <laughs> Beth mountain giraffe. Yeah, <laughs> the most fierce of the. Yeah, okay. All righty. Tonight's guest is a fierce animal right advocate, musician, and vocalist who has been creating potently relevant music for the past 20 years from the tongue in cheek hardcore band Flaunt. And no vociferously authentic punk band, La Saboteur, the always outspoken Michelle Pinnell is here. Did you guys bring up micro pigs on purpose? <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, yes and no, I guess. I mean, it's something that we kind of have been kicking around. We like to talk about what's going on in our personal life, and we've really been kicking around getting a micro pig. Yes, uh, tell the me the importance week. of the micro pig, because that's why. Yes, we want to hear. <laughs> I uh, I worked at a pig rescue for four years, so I'm wondering oh. if Whoa. you guys knew. Nice. Oh, that's no, I we didn't. That's really cool, though. Yeah, I. That's one of the things I'm kind of worried about. I'm like, you know, I don't, I can't be one of those people that gets like a a pig that's bred to be small, and then it ends up being 200 pounds and gets rid of it. I'm not going to do that. Um, so it's kind of one of those things of you know this is going to be like a 12 to 15 year you know, commitment at least. I think that's, is that how long small pigs? I, I don't even know. Um, so yeah, so, I yeah. mean, I could certainly, certainly talk about it with you. Um, the reason why the pig rescue that I worked at, um, had 95 pigs and the reason why another one that I volunteered at had, um, 300 is because of all the people, uh, is because of all the people who, have the misconception that it's possible for these animals to stay small. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, as you know, um, when it comes to dogs or other animals that are uh, domesticated animals, um, breeders lie out their asses. Breeders are some of the worst people on the planet. See, that was going to be my next question. I apologize for saying that. They yeah, are. Sorry. Too, because I because we've been researching this and we've seen breeders have been like, we promise you these pigs will only get X amount big, blah, blah, blah. We've got a history of um, selling these pigs and this is how big they'll get. So you're saying they're probably lying. 
I would say they're almost certainly lying. Um, what they do is they they tell you to feed a certain amount of food per day so that they'll stay small. Um, but just in the same way of um, an anorexic teenager, it's because if they're malnourished, then it stunts their growth. So what you're going to do is later on in their life, you're going to run into different health issues. You're going to bring them into the vet and the vet says, well, they're malnourished. You need to feed them more. Um, and then they grow and they get big and then they relinquish them to rescues like the one that I worked at. Wow. I told you we need a farm first. Yeah, or we need to go with like a yeah. sugar glider or something. Mm-hmm. Something more manageable for sure. I'm good with okay. Well, I think um, it was Destiny you were on the show then. Because yes. Yeah. Really <laughs> considering going down this weekend, actually, and getting a micro pig from this farm that's selling them up the street. See, yeah, you, you saved a picky. You absolutely you did. You should definitely, um, you know, if you interested in the pig, go to a pig rescue. Uh, there are many across the United States. Go to them. See if there is a pig that just for whatever reason had a genetic tendency to more petite that's an older pig and then you know for sure that it's not going to get larger um don't put give your money to breeders they're the worst yep all righty then all right let's kind of shift gears here and before we talk about music as we are compelled to do we have to always ask how are you dealing, because this is on everyone's mind 24-7, especially in the music world, how are you dealing with COVID? And um, not just as a musician, but as a human being, how are you dealing with this whole crisis? You know, it's not particularly easy. Um, it's, you know, we had to cancel a tour and then every subsequent following tour. Um, so it's been difficult. The good news is that uh, the drummer that was living in San Diego of ours in Lay Saboteur moved up to Seattle, and now he's um, living with us. And so we're able to write um, new music, and we're going to go into a studio that has assured us that they're being safe about protocols and stuff like that um, okay. coming up soon. So, so the good thing is that the music has not ceased. Um, the bad news is that, you know, the, the catharsis is gone, you know, a lot of the catharsis of performing and being on the road and, and just being, uh, you know, all the, all the reciprocation and all the positivity has sort of been squashed. So, um, it's, uh, it's not an easy time, you know, for me, especially, uh, you know, mentally, I'm not, uh, the most re- mentally resilient human being for a couple different reasons. Um, and, you know, it shows. I, you know, everybody knows I wear my heart on my sleeve a bit in my music. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, of course it's difficult. But with that said, um, you know, I'm thankful to have a job. I'm thankful um, to have not gotten sick yet, knock on wood. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm moving forward in my own way. So along along with that, along with the whole COVID situation, you know, on the West Coast too, you're dealing with the fires and everything um, to go along with that. So how are you guys handling that and, or your friends and, and if you have family oh, yeah. in that area? Yeah, yeah um, it was pretty difficult um, because the the air, you know, when the air becomes unbreathable, then you have to keep all your windows shut and then that air in turn becomes kind of unbreathable. Um, right. It's, you know, we've been lucky enough to not be super close to where the fires have been, but the air quality, of course, has been um, drastically impacted. 
Um, I do know quite a bit about um, fire science and fire safety because I went to school for it for a little bit. And um, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's devastating and um you know my heart goes out to anybody who was directly affected and losing one of their structures or family members of course um but it's it's something that you know with global warming um washington and oregon are really going to have to follow in the footsteps of california and cal fire and other people who for better or worse have a lot of experience with these issues um and they they know what to do. Their emergency management plans are are much more flawless than ours. So gotcha. um, I hope that I hope that we all just take this opportunity to learn from those who have actually been dealing with it for a lot longer because that's our future. No, for sure, man. And let me kind of ask you, as somebody kind of on the ground level in all of these different areas, do you think the music scene post-COVID, is it ever going to bounce back to what it was? Because I said this in the other episode tonight. They're saying something like 80% of small clubs and venues aren't coming back. Do you think we're going to see things kind of go back to normal? Or do you think this is going to take years to kind of get back to shows you know, all the time and crowded clubs and stuff like that? You know... I'm not sure. Um, I, I definitely think it will be impacted for the foreseeable future. And I do think that not just on a physical level in terms of where we are going to be able to play, but also on a level of, you know, the camaraderie um, of the people in the audience. Um, I, I really think that there's there's something about at least our particular scene where everybody just throws their arms over over each other and sings along the words and just has a great time. And Mm -hmm. I I don't think that I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a wall between people. And maybe for that reason, it's not going to be as appealing for people to attend at least the DIY shows. um, Right. Because they were so close knit and the proximity, the physical proximity um, was part of the joy in it, you know, so I'm concerned. Of course, I'm 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 concerned, but uh, I hope a lot of good records come out of this, um, and I hope that it, it sort of strips that barrier that people have between you know talking about real life and performing. Absolutely. Um, this is your first time on the show. We always like to t- when we have a guest on for the first time to have them tell us a little bit about their background, yes. their origin story, if you will. Can you tell us a little bit about just kind of where you came from, how you got into music, and then we can kind of go into Flaunt and Le Saboteur. Yeah. Um, gosh, where do I even start? Uh, I'll, I'll start <laughs> with high school. <laughs> um, so I, I formed my first band when I was about 16 years old, um, and it was in a small town in Northern California, and kind of everybody in the band was just, they played music, and that's the only thing that we really had in common. Um, and I joined, uh, I joined a vocal jazz ensemble that was picked up as one of those groups that went to Carnegie Hall to, to perform. So I did that. And then when I was old enough, when, right when I turned 18, I, um, I moved to Seattle, Washington, because I, at the time I was particularly into hardcore and there was some grunge that I also liked. Um, and I thought, right. well, I'll just form a band because there's a scene up there. Um, right. Little did I know that the grunge scene had completely died. <laughs> so, um, 
there wasn't a whole lot still still happening um, in terms of a scene, but there were still bands. Um, so then I was in a weird uh, prog, for lack of a better term, band with two bass players for the better part of 11 years. Um, wow. And yeah, so that was a band called Ubik. And then um, I had I had several other bands interspersed in there during the time of Ubik. Um, and then I moved to San Diego and I formed a couple bands down there, a couple short-lived, um, and then eventually found my way to Flaunt and Lay Saboteur. So that's where I'm nice. at now. Nice. And on a side note, nice. man, and I wanted to tell you this while I have you on air, I saw this video of you from Punks in Vegas for this song that you do called Church Mouse Holy Cup. And I got to tell you, man, the story, the music, the whole vibe of the thing is a stellar piece of art. I really love that. Thank you so much. I was really on the fence as to whether or not to include that one in that performance. So I like to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. And also your bass player is another thing, man. I haven't said this since we had a drop soup on because I'm a former bass player. Your bass player, that sound that he gets out of that bass. I absolutely love it. Yep. That's uh, that's my husband. That's Kyle Bob. That's what I thought, and I didn't want to make any assumptions. But yeah, man, I I can't. That bass sound is that crisp, like just uh, not even overbearing, but just that driving bass sound. I absolutely love. Yeah, and and really, it, it he wears his influences on his sleeve because he will not listen to anything that doesn't drive other than our music. <laughs> so he he's. He's a Rickenbacker guy and um, total, you know, total motorhead guy and really, really into um, thrash metal and stuff like that. He was in a thrash band called Christ Killer for a long time. That was an all Jewish um, (laughs) band and all their songs are about killing Christ because, you know, it's basically the most metal appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So let me get this straight. Now, I know you're in two bands and I know a lot of people, we, we have people artists on all the time that are in multiple bands, but I think you may be the first artist to have literally debut both bands pretty much at the same time. How did that work out? You know, I've always tried to have two projects going at once because, um, I, I have different reasons for playing music, um, different mm-hmm. types of music. So, so flaunt, um, Flaunt is my hardcore band that comes from my theater background. I'm a standalone vocalist, so I get to run around, be really active. It's a very cathartic experience. It's very showy. Um, I play a character, so I'm able to really play with the audience. And um, it's it influenced by uh, by pro wrestling, the character. So. Um, so that's flaunt. And then, and then Lay Saboteur is like, is, is my heart. It's my genuine nature. It's who I am inside. Um, and so having those two outlets, I feel like is, is pretty important to me. Right on. Um, I want to play a song off of Ditch and that of course is your new LP EP. Although it has six songs, so I don't know if it would qualify as an EP, but I'm going to go ahead and play Tightrope. Is there anything you wanted to tell us about this song before we hit play? No, I don't think so. I mean, this this song is one of our proggier songs that definitely um, took the other members a, a minute to wrap their brains around. But I had written it. It was weird. And I was I was really, um, you know, I was really 
hoping that they would say yes to doing it, and they agreed. So. Well, I'm glad they did. We're going to play yeah, some tightrope. Talking with Michelle Pinnell from La Saboteur, and I wanted to talk about, are you guys self-producing everything? In terms of, like, 
uh, Tightrope and Distant Hum, those were done by um, a fan of ours named David Blood um, in San Diego. So he had put those together. But we oh, wow. um, we don't we have not self-produced. No. I also saw another piece where uh, a couple of you guys did the. Um, I guess it's a segment like the Punks Against Racism. Can you um, go on a little bit about that? Because I the first time that I actually saw that was. Um, you know, doing research on you all. So, um, okay, is that something that's out in that particular area or is that something that's nationwide that's going on? So that's a um, Pacific Northwest thing. Um, okay. And that was, that was put together by some friends of ours who are in a band called Mabel's Marbles. Um, and they're sort of, um, they're in the pop punk realm of things. Um, but they contacted just about every band that they knew and they said, Hey, will you, would you be willing to make us a short video to stand against racism? Um, and we did, and we sent it into them and we had no idea that there were so many amazing bands on there. It was really, um, it was really great to see, um, it was, that awesome everybody was that, coming together. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I love the, the fact that it was, it wasn't like, you know, you know, a lot of fluff or anything. It was like, Hey, this is what we stand for. And this is what we're about. And, and, and you guys, just, it, it was really good. It was especially cause you let off the one segment that, um, that, uh, that I watched. So I thought that was really good how it was in English and then, um, also in Spanish too. So I thought that was pretty cool as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we thought that it would be a nice touch to, to include, um, you know, Uriel speaking in Spanish, um, his family, you know, that's their native tongue. So, okay. um, so yeah, it was good. All right. Hey, I want to finish up with this because I always like talking with people who's been in the scene, especially particularly the DIY scene for so many years over the past 20 years. And I was talking about this on the other episode too. I feel like things have gotten more political, thankfully, and you've got stuff getting more political all the way to, just what we're singing about all the way to taking direct action like bands like Red Bait do. And I kind of want to talk about how things have changed politically over the past 20 years since you've been in this. And also adjacent to technology, do you think technology overall, especially things like social media and streaming, like on YouTube and other platforms like that, do you feel like that's been a net positive? Because I'm almost with all the restrictions with like YouTube wanted to like have all these criterias for monetizing stuff and Facebook now saying they're going to have all these different rules for streaming live, especially now. I kind of feel like this stuff has hit its peak and something else is going to have to come along. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I think, I think probably at least in terms for musicians and social media, I really think the height was my face. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Because, um, because you could have, you know, your top eight friends or whatever could be bands and you'd go to somebody's page and you'd be like, Oh, let me check out these bands that they're into. Or you could have a song playing right when you went to the profile. Oh Um, yeah. I forgot about that. And I thought it was kind of cool, you know, um, I thought it was a, a cool medium, but then you, you know, you get onto Facebook and trying to get us to, you know, boost all our posts to have sort of visibility at, um, you know, I'll post something and, you know, it'll get 150 likes and then, you know, the band will post something and four people will see it. So it's right. kind of, uh, it's, it's not intended for, All right, um, let's kind of finish up with this then and talk about the political end, because 
I got into punk mainly because of the lyrics. Like, I love the music, but I'm more, I always check out the lyrics first. And if a band is, you know, doesn't really grab me uh, music-wise, if they're just kind of mediocre to me music-wise, but they have kick-ass lyrics, I find myself a lot more forgiving of that than if they have mediocre lyrics and they're, like, really, really good and tight musically. Um, do you feel like music, especially the punk scene, is finally – becoming a little bit more politically active and mobilizing in a way we haven't seen since maybe the Reagan era? You know, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I have always been kind of on the outskirts of the punk scene um, mm -hmm. because my music has always been a little bit on the outskirts. Um, but I can say that, um, you know, growing up, there were a lot of uh, very political bands that I listened to um, that, you know, just like you weren't necessarily bands I would have listened to for the musical value. You know, like 15 is a great example. Ah, yes. yes. Amen. Like, like a Jeff Ott is a fantastic lyricist, really wears his heart on his sleeve, just about as true as it gets. But is that guy a good singer? Probably not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, in terms of how it is now versus how it was then, I, I think that a lot of the bands who are, are doing political things are, are saying the same things that were 20 years ago in music. Um, but they're just emphasizing it that much more because nobody, it's weird. It's a, it's a weird world because you, you would think with the popularity of bands like bad religion and dead Kennedys that we'd have more of a, a big wave in terms of people interested in getting involved politically. Um, but it just doesn't, it, it has to come from a DIY scene, I think, to, to actually be active. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a strange world when you go to, you know, see a band who's super outspoken politically and it's just like a sea of baseball caps and you're not sure <laughs> why, <laughs> why exactly, what drove people to listen to this band. Yeah, and it's also hard, too, because DIY, I think that term is applied a little bit generically now compared to how it used to be. I mean, me and Odell remember the days of playing, you know, this is early to mid-90s, playing in punk bands and, like, the real elbow grease of stapling your flyer up on telephone poles. And now you could sit behind a keyboard and pretty much do all the same stuff. And everybody yeah. has equal access. So, I mean, it's leveled the playing field, but... Then again, so many people have access that you have to go through so much more. I don't want to say garbage because I think all music intrinsically has some value. But you have to go through so much more that you wouldn't probably necessarily be turned on by just to find that nugget of something that really charges you up. Yeah, and I think there's a lot, you know, there are a lot of people that play music because they want to pay homage as opposed to create. And I think that there's a pretty vast difference between those two intentions. Yeah, that's so, true too. Definitely. So when you're talking about when you're talking about you know having to wade through things, I mean you know there are you know so many bands that are just paying homage and it's fun for them and that's why they do it. It's not necessarily that they're doing it for the listener. So I think those are those are a lot of those bands. All right, uh, before we get out of here. Why don't you tell us what you have coming up? Is I mean, it's, is it even possible to plan anything right now? I know you're probably still making music in-house, but is it even possible to have any kind of game plan going into 2021? Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I really don't yeah, know what the sure. future yep. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know. Um, 
I don't know when this virus is, you know, going to go or if it's going to go at all. I think that right now, um, you know, for the people who depend on playing music for their mental health, I think that it's time to just, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and really, um, you know, just work on writing right now and then see if stuff starts opening up. Don't go too soon. Don't go before you feel like it's safe, you know? Right. Yeah, and that's what I always tell myself too is when I'm getting overwhelmed or I'm I'm a very politically charged guy and when politics start eating at me, I just kind of put my head down and say just do the work, man. Just do the work and focus on that. So I definitely understand grinding it out like that. Yeah, and it's it's really difficult not to be discouraged right now. I think that it's a a really difficult time, but we can use that pain and and write write some meaningful songs hopefully. Well, I tend to, I tend personally to go through waves where I'll totally what I call opt out. I'll be like, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm opting out of all this bullshit and I'll go into my little hidey hole for a while. And then just like with the debates last night, I came back out swinging today and I was like, I can't comprehend this is what's going on right now. I can't wrap my brain around this is America. And then, it go, and then, you know, probably a month from now, I'll probably disappear off the radar again for a few weeks. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult. I've done that a couple times too. I've deleted my Facebook a couple times this year and then reinstated it. Reinstated it. Yep. <laughs> Let me tell you, man. I always said that Mark Zuckerberg. This is kind of unrelated, but it just shows you how Facebook works. Because you see, I was talking about this today. How if I get really passionate about something and I know I'm driving off emotion, I'll write it all down. I'll type it all out rather and put it in my inbox. And walk away for like an hour. And then I'm like, okay, if I really want to say this like this in an hour, then I'll post it. And nine times out of ten, I don't. But so many people, they just reactively just like spew all over the keyboard. And then they end up having to take it down because they say some heinous shit. And I'm like, dude, Zuckerberg should start charging every time you want to delete one of your own posts. Think how rich that guy would get if he charged just a quarter every time you wanted to take down a comment you made. Because people don't have any discipline when it comes, they just unload on you, and it's one of the reasons I popped out because I don't want to get in nasty confrontations with people, especially when nobody is going to move anybody on issues on the other side. Now, there could be movement you know, among one side like, hey, do you think the party should go in this direction or this direction? But when you're talking to the other side, I've found that there's no movement to be made, so – you know, why get yourself all worked up for nothing, I guess? And then that's when I opt out and go back through the cycle. Yeah, I really think that that you just need to channel that through creativity and whatever your medium is, and and that's just what you have to do for now. <laughs> I don't think they're winning the fight right now. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's get out of here. Before you go, can you please tell everyone where to find you guys on the internet? Uh, lay-saboteur.com is our main hub. Um, you can get links to all of our, um, other sites through there. Um, and then, uh, flaunt is just on Bandcamp. Um, so you can check us out at flauntsd.bandcamp.com. Um, and yeah, that's, that's about it. Right on. All right. I want to thank you so much for calling in and, you know, stay safe, man, and just keep pushing. That's the only advice I can give. Thank you. Likewise. All righty, guys, we are going to get out of here. We're actually going to be on break for two weeks, but we'll be back in two weeks with DRI. Odell, what are you going to do with your two weeks off? I imagine you have a whole backlog of stuff to get to. 
Oh yeah. Well, it's it's that it's that time of year. With, you know, the kids in school and figuring that all out, and it's it's. God bless educators, man, because the, oh, these yeah. cats are going. These cats are going through some extensive lengths to get these kids um, in person schooling it the safest way possible. And I can't, I, you know, I don't know if they're listening to this or not, but I can't thank them enough for, um, you know, the teachers' patients, the parents' patients that are working with them, that are helping out in the mornings, getting stuff situated. Um, God bless them, man. It's 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 uh, I, I, well deserved. I think they're very underappreciated and. Um, Absolutely, so, man. Could not agree yeah, more. And um, this will be going out Saturday. So if you happen to hear this on another platform like Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever, D, where can you find us online at our actual website? Because we're going to update and put up some new reviews and artist spotlight and stuff this weekend. It's super easy peasy. You just have to go to musicalosmosis.com. It's just spelled how it sounds, musical like the stuff and osmosis like the water thing much and easier <laughs> than tin can dot media remember how confusing that used to be yeah oh God. because it wasn't dot com and like that's the thing they told us hey everything's gonna have its own dot whatever and it didn't happen but that's okay <laughs> we thought I'm we an were early adopter yeah we really I'm cut our legs adopter. out speaking of early adopting um south park is about to come on and it's the Ooh. pandemic specials so All that's right. what i'm gonna do I'm feeling Peace cool. out, y'all. Special. All right, guys. <laughs> we're out of here. Bye.